Welcome to the Draw Shops Get Genius Podcast, where we talk to today's business influencers to pick their brain and pull out their genius. It's time to get genius. Hello, listeners. It is a beautiful Tuesday, and the weather has been hot here in San Diego, but it's been awesome. I love the heat. I'm a summertime gal. So today's episode, we're focusing on social media, digital marketing, mobile marketing, and all things marketing and branding. And we're talking to an expert who's been doing this for a really long time, so he knows his stuff. And his name is Jamie Turner. He's an internationally recognized author, and he's also a contributor on CNN. He's worked with companies like Coca-Cola, AT&T, Holiday Inn, Made Brigade, just lots of big companies helping them tackle complex marketing problems, which if you're an entrepreneur or business owner, you know that you can have some problems there, especially with things moving so quickly. It's hard to know what should I be doing now, and we talk about that on the show. He's also the CEO of 60, which is a marketing optimization firm who's worked with all those companies that I've mentioned. And he's also the founder of 60secondmarketer.com, which is this crazy cool site that has 60 second videos all related to marketing and social media. And it's awesome. So you definitely have to check that out if you haven't seen it already. He's also the founder of Mobile X Festival, which is an unconference for businesses. So many of us get bored or kind of get that frown on our face when we're being sent to a conference or we have to go to a conference that's just going to be huge and it's all just a bunch of sessions where you don't really get to talk to anybody or do anything. This is one of those really cool events that I'm definitely going to attend next year. And it's called Mobile X Festival. We'll have a link to that as well. And really, he helps businesses that want to use mobile and social media and digital marketing to grow their sales and revenues and their brand loyalty. He's a regular guest on CNN and HLN and talking about the topics of social media and mobile marketing and branding and everything that we're going to talk about on this episode. And a few other things. He is the co-author of Go Mobile, which was a number one best-selling mobile marketing book. You can find that on Amazon, Go Mobile. And he's also the author of How to Make Money with Social Media. And that's just been released on Amazon in its second edition. So I would definitely check both of those out. He's been profiled in the world's best-selling marketing textbook. And He's an internationally recognized keynote speaker at trade shows, events, corporations, and pretty much around the globe. To find more information on Jamie, you can go to Twitter at AskJamieTurner. And you can also find him on his blog, 60secondmarketer.com slash blog. And that's 60, the number 60, spell out secondmarketer.com slash blog. And again, we'll have all of those links on the show notes and on the blog post for this episode. And I know you will enjoy this one. Hi, Jamie. Hey, Summer. How you doing? I'm great. I'm super excited that you could join me today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Glad to uh, be talking to your listeners and looking forward to the interview. Well, I know that you hold the key to many burning questions that our listeners have when it comes to social media and mobile marketing and branding. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited to talk about all of that and let them learn a ton from you. But before I get to that, 
I'd love to get kind of a brief overview of how you got started in social media and marketing and essentially becoming who you are today, which is a best-selling author, marketing genius with such a huge following. I'd love to hear how you got there. Now I can see you right now. I know your listeners can't, but you were doing the air quotes during the when you said called me a genius and yeah. all that sort of stuff. So, so I just want to let the true. listeners know that that that's a that's a little little uh, hyperbole. But here, yeah, here it's actually an interesting journey. I started out in New York City on Madison Avenue, working in uh, as an ad agency executive. Came down to Atlanta, Georgia, did the whole thing. Jumped on board with a digital and direct response agency probably about 10 years ago. And that digital and direct response, of course, is an agency that goes in and mostly came out of the direct mail world. But then the Internet came along and they were starting to do more and more stuff on the Internet. But I jumped on board and in quick order realized that it was a lot of statistics and a lot of numbers. Now, I am not a statistics guy. When I see an Excel spreadsheet, I don't look at the numbers. I look at the color of the boxes and start criticizing, you know, why do you pick blue for the color of the box here? So I'm totally not a numbers guy and realized pretty early on, all right, I am not going to work my way up the chain of command at this company if I don't understand statistics. Therefore, what am I going to do? Interestingly enough, that was about 1996. No, wait, no, two. No, it was was it that God? It wasn't that long ago. No, two thousand and seven. Okay, I, okay. I had my decades mixed up, and I went to the CEO of the company and I said, "Hey, why don't I do these little short videos where we'll put them on the website, and there'll be sixty second videos teaching people about marketing, and we'll use it as a lead generation tool for the company." And he loved the idea. He said, "I love the idea." And the next day goes by. He says, "Hey, you should do this that as a separate website." So I did a separate website called the Sixty Second Marketer. It was all designed around video, short marketing videos. This is way before content marketing came online, by the way, way before HubSpot was around, all that sort of stuff. We went in, jumped in, said, let's do short videos, did those, and in short order, started learning a lot about social media and stuff like that, and ultimately did most of the blog posts around social media, and then wrote a book around social, and then wrote a book around mobile, and I fast-forwarded through the tail end of that, because there's more to that story. But your original question was, how'd you get into it? And it was basically as a lead generation tool for a client, for basically my company, and then the company ultimately said, hey, listen, why don't you, or I went to them, and I said, why don't I spin off and become a separate entity, which is what gets us here today. Yes. Oh, I love it. That's so cool. So do you have... um do you have, through all of this, have you discovered your favorite social media platform that you like to work with? Yeah, you know, in the early days, I was a Twitter guy, uh, and I made I made a decision early on. So rewind a few years, and it was tw- you know LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. That was pretty much it. Now, of course, you have Snapchat. Now you have uh, Instagram. All the Snapchat, other ones. Snapchat, Snapchat. It's like I hear it every single day. You have to use it every time I'm with somebody. <laughs> Come on, just get on and use it. And I'm I'm struggling, but <laughs> no, I'm I'm with you. I I totally agree with that, and I'm not. I'm, I've jumped in and, and, you know, dipped my toe in the water. I, I did it originally and then jumped in and then, and then I was like, well, I'm going to worry about all these other things and then started getting back into it now, mostly because of what you just said. Everybody's talking about it. And so we got to dive in and sort of theoretically figure out how to use it. But that raises another issue, which is, and your listeners might be interested in this, you know, at, at what point do you say, okay, 
I can't be in every single platform possible. Therefore, which ones am I going to choose to be in? So the key is to select two or three or four that you're going to really take a deep dive into and be good at those ones and resist the temptation to jump into everything because you'll never get critical mass. You'll never get a big enough audience if you try to do every single social media platform that's out there. So generally, I stick with Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. I made a decision early on that I was going to be a Twitter guy as opposed to a Facebook guy. Wrong decision. I get it. Everybody dove into Facebook and I was the guy going, hey, Twitter's so cool. Look at this. I can just do 140 characters and get out. And Facebook kind of took off. And I, I think the objection I had to Facebook was early on, I've grown accustomed to it now, but early on I felt like the user interface was so clunky, so poorly designed, and so bad. I'm an Apple guy. I love cleanliness. I love minimalism. I love clarity, everything that, for example, you guys do with the draw shop and all the videos you do, it's clear communication and simple, easy to follow information. And that's what I loved. And I felt like Facebook was not doing that. Therefore, I became a Twitter guy. And here we are years later. I'm still a Twitter guy, but obviously the world, unfortunately, the world is shifting a little more over to Facebook, a little to Snapchat, a little LinkedIn and all the other ones that are out there. And Instagram, we haven't even mentioned Instagram. Yeah. So in your mind, what does a successful social media campaign look like? Because I think a lot of people have that question of how do I know that it's done well? What metrics should I be looking at? Yeah. So here's that's a great question. Here's the it involves math. And so I'm going to go deep on something here for a second called customer lifetime value. A lot of your listeners probably know about customer lifetime value. I know you do too. But in a nutshell, customer lifetime value, and we're going to get to answer your question, but the starting point is what is a customer worth to you and your business? So if you're a lawn care company, and this is a oversimplification of it, but if you're a lawn care company and you charge $80 a month for your services and the average customer stays with you for two years, let's make the math easy for me because, like I said, I'm not a stats guy. Uh, it's $100 a month. They stay with you for two years. Your customer lifetime value is $2,400. That's a very, very simplified version of customer lifetime value. The reason that's important is if you're going to use social media to acquire customers, then you have to go out and do social media campaigns that drive people to your website, and then you have to track which one of those people actually became customers who got there, and then you have to go in and say, all right, every time I get a customer, the value of that customer is $2,400 to me. How much did it cost me to get that customer And if it's about 10% of your customer lifetime value, you're in good shape. So let me, let me recap. You're driving all these people to your website via social media. If it costs you 20, 240 bucks to acquire a new customer from your social media campaign every time you do it, then that's okay because 240 bucks generates 2400 bucks. That's a good model. So the net net is. Most people don't do that kind of simple math, and as a result, they're just looking at metrics like how many followers do I have and all that sort of stuff. If you're a restaurant owner, I get it. You don't have enough time to worry about you know doing the math behind your social media, and you just probably do want to just say, what's my follower count? How many people are am, I, am I engaging with? But if you're getting more and more sophisticated about it, you want to get down to the math side of the equation and start analyzing, well, how many people are getting to the website via my social media campaign, and how many of those do I convert once they're there? And if the math works out, then you're golden, and that's... That's the net net for social media and what to measure and how to think about it. And they make it pretty simple to to view those. 
I like, like you yeah. said, I don't think you have to be a super numbers person to, to read the, the metrics on that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It makes it a lot easier and easier than it used to be. That's for sure. Right. So there's that in terms of conversions into sales, but what about branding? How do you know, you know, what your ROI is in terms of building your brand through social media? Yeah. And so the reality is, even though the starting point for our dialogue here was about customer acquisition right. and calculating the ROI, the reality is, is social media is more about branding and about customer retention. Yeah. And it sounds like you're in the same spot. You know, a lot of times people go, Oh, I'm going to go do a social media campaign and I'm going to, you know, get all these customers by the, through my social media campaign. And then when that doesn't happen, they're disappointed. So the shift in the last few years has really been, look, social media is really more about customer retention. What do we mean by that? If I am a, a customer of Delta Airlines and I get frustrated with an, a lost baggage, uh, and I tweet about it or I do a Facebook post about it or whatever it is, if Delta follows that and they say, hey, by the way, we saw you tweet about us and we know you're frustrated, please call this phone number uh, and we'll solve the baggage problem. And I'm sitting there at the conveyor belt and I'm going, wow, they're following me. I'm now a loyal customer of Delta for a long time because I know that they were listening to me and that they responded to me. And so that's a great way of showing, hey, there's the, there's the value of customer retention with social media because we're using it as a listening tool and as a tool to find out what our customers are saying about us and where the opportunities are for our brand. That's got big value behind it. And if you do, if you use social media that way, you're in pretty good shape. And it's probably a better way to use it than to think, I'm going to generate a bunch of leads. By the way, funny story, I just got a phone call this morning from a company that wants to possibly use our services on the social media side of the equation to acquire new customers. And my, I haven't talked to him yet, but the very first thing I'm going to say to him is, if you need leads, social media is probably not what you need to be using. You can use digital marketing. That would be online display ads. That would be email marketing, anything like that. But don't expect that you're going to open up a Facebook account and a Twitter account and generate a ton of leads for your business because that's not really the best use of social media. So that's a conversation I'll be having later this afternoon with a client prospect, giving them the truth about social media. Well, and that's perfect because I wanted to talk about digital marketing with you as well because there is such a difference there. And that exactly the story that you just said is what a lot of people come up against, you know? Um, and yeah. they think that, oh, I'm going to start doing this on social media. I'm going to get so many leads. And what's what do you tackle first and how do you tackle that with digital marketing? This is a cliche, but the starting point, of course, is Let's step back and look at our objectives. And so I know that's like everybody says that and all that sort of stuff. But despite that, I still get people, they, they say one of two things. One is, Jamie, I need a social media campaign. Can you help me? And my next thing is, well, let's talk about what your objectives are. Is it customer retention? Is it lead generation? Is it, you know, what is it? Typically, it's lead generation. And then I shift the conversation over to, well, there's better ways to generate leads. The other side of the equation on the mobile side of the equation is, Jamie, I need a, a mobile app. You know, can you help me? And I do the same exact thing. Well, let's talk about your goals and objectives. And, you know, what are you trying to do here? Because a mobile app is really about the fourth or fifth or sixth 
thing you should do on mobile before you even think about doing a mobile app for the same reasons, by the way. Mobile apps are better at customer retention than they are at customer acquisition. If you want customer acquisition, you should use any number of other things. So let me address your question, which was about digital media, digital marketing. Um, So digital marketing is anything that's digital in nature that you use to go out and connect with customers and get them to to convert from prospects to customers. And that one of the techniques for that is online display. And the beauty of online display is we can track your behaviors. We know what you're interested in. We know what your uh, preferences are, all that sort of stuff. And so we can start remarketing to you, which means you've visited the website. And I know you visited the website. So later on, I'm going to put when you're at CNN.com, I'm going to put an ad up on the website saying, hey, by the way, you were looking at our website at shoes and do you want to come back in and all that sort of stuff? Or you can go in and do behavioral targeting, which is just, hey, we know that these kinds of people are interested in shoes and therefore we're going to target them. Or you can do any number of different things. But the beauty is, is because it's digital, we can follow your behaviors across the web. And we're now starting to get to the point where we can track whether or not you actually bought the product at the store level and tie that back to a campaign. So in other words, we can serve up an ad to your, typically it's on a mobile device. Um, we can see that we sent you an ad and then believe it or not, later on, we can, two weeks later, we can see if you went and bought the product down at the grocery store. And there's ways to tie all that data together and to say, look, we sent an ad to 100,000 people. 1,000 of them ended up buying the Coca-Cola product at the end of the day. That We just calculate the numbers and figure out if that was a good ROI for us. And if it is, we just rinse and repeat and do it all over again. So digital is getting very, very sophisticated and really, really oh, yeah. interesting in terms of what you can do. It's very predictive. Yeah, yeah, it really is. You can go out and, and do a lot of stuff on that front and really make it uh, work out for you. Uh, and, and again, it takes time, it takes energy, and it takes knowledge to be able to crunch the numbers at that deep a level. But if you if you can, hey, it, it works. Uh, it, it, it can work very well. If someone is just starting and just getting into this, yeah. what do you suggest that they do? Do they do they educate themselves? Do they hire someone? Do they watch your videos? You know, what what's the way that they can get into this? If you are a solopreneur, if you're one, two, three, four people, then do it yourself. And there's plenty of you know the big companies: Google, Facebook, LinkedIn. Twitter, they all want you to advertise with them. So then all you have to do is track it and understand the fundamentals of what we just talked about, which are, I have a website, I want to drive people to the website, and then I want to track whether or not they bought my product or made a phone call to me or whatever. Uh, and if you're, if you don't have those mechanisms, let's say, let's say you're really just a person working out of your garage or whatever it is and you've got somebody else who's, who built your website, then you can just go in and sort of use those ad campaigns and just to drive traffic to the website and maybe not track whether it converted at the back end, but you did drive traffic to the website. But to answer your question, the net net is if you're a small business, go in social is a good tool to use to drive traffic to websites. And then also mobile can be as well, although mobile requires typically going to a company that will specialize in it and and understands it because it's a little more uh, technically difficult to do than social is. So the starting point for a small business would be a social media campaign, dive into that, use it just as a way to drive traffic to your website, and then see if your sales start going up after that. 
by the time you're a five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten person company, you're probably getting large enough to where you don't want to be spending your time running Facebook campaigns because it is a lot of labor. And and so then you just say, let me farm this out. And there are plenty of people online who would do it for you happily. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to highlight again what you said earlier is know what you want your outcome to be. And mm-hmm. I think that's important in you know any kind of campaign, anything you're doing with marketing or advertising. Know what yeah. you want that to look like first because you're going to have so much more clarity on who you're talking to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, clarity on who you're talking to. When you and I were doing the pre-interview before doing the podcast, I said, well, tell me about your audience a little bit. When you understand who you're talking to, uh, you can frame up your answers in a way that uh, is relevant for either a podcast audience or a visitor to your website. So the starting point for any good campaign is get inside the mind of your prospect, figure out what their pain points are, and then figure out what, how your product solves. Interestingly, there's three kinds of products. They're either, they're either painkillers, vitamins, or candy. Candy is a kind of product that's basically something that we don't necessarily need, but it's, it's fun and neat and wonderful. Yeah. The second thing is a vitamin. We don't have to have it, but it basically makes our lives better in some way, shape, or form. And the final thing is a painkiller, which is I've got to have something to solve this problem. So if you're a business-to-business company, your painkiller, I sell copiers. I, companies can't function without copiers. That's a painkiller. Uh, can they function without um, a floral arrangement, which would be kind of candy? <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they can function without floral arrangements, but they can't function without a copier. So if as much as possible, you want your product to be in the painkiller category as opposed to the vitamin or the candy category because those are electives as opposed to a painkiller. It's not elective. You need, you need light bulbs. You need you know computers. You need copiers in order to run a business. That's a painkiller. It's a good business to be in. Right. Okay. I like that. So still talking about digital marketing, can you, can you tell us like the top three things that you would say brands really need to keep top of mind? Uh, from a digital marketing standpoint, a couple of things. One is start with the fundamentals. Uh, so the NFL, uh, when they sit down and play a game on Sunday, uh, they take Monday off, and on Tuesday they start with the same drills every week, which is let's do let's everybody line up and we're going to do blocking and tackling skills. They start out the same way every week because they're like you have to start with the fundamentals. No football team says let's skip over all that and let's let's practice special teams. You know they're like no let's start with the fundamentals. So as a marketer, you're always going to start with the fundamentals, which are what are our objectives, what's going on inside the mind of our prospect, how can we say what we need to say in a way that gets them to understand that we are the painkiller for their pain, and then how are we going to distribute that message effectively so that it gets out to as many people as possible as cost-effectively as possible. And when we do that, then suddenly we've got the foundation of a campaign started there. So big brands start with those fundamentals. The next thing that big brands should do, or a small brand, it doesn't matter, is measure what you're doing. So start tracking what you're doing. And you can now, because of digital marketing, get down to the very, very specific ROI basis. In the old days, you wouldn't be able to do that. So I came out of the 20th century marketing, which was, uh, in my early days, it was about creating a TV campaign and running a TV campaign. And then the client would come back and say, did it work? And, you know, we didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. It was, it was like... 
did sales go up? You know, and they were like, <laughs> well, yeah, but we had, a, you know, we had a really, we had a contest with our sales force. And so that's why we think sales went up. And then we would, of course, say, well, no, maybe so, some yeah. of it was because of the TV commercial we ran. And so there was no way to really accurately measure it. We started with the, the phone numbers with the special digits at the end. So you could yeah. track like at this, which commercial actually worked that people were calling on. I remember that. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, and so then they started getting into let's measure this stuff for real. Well, now we're in digital, the digital era and everything for the most part is trackable. And we'll come back around to something in a second that is just because everything is trackable doesn't mean it's the only way to see if a campaign is successful or not. Right. I'm going to come back yeah, to that, that in a second. But the, the, the nature of the question was, what should you do? Start with the fundamentals, you know, just normal marketing stuff. The second thing is track what you're doing. And the third thing is eliminate the ones that aren't working and take that money and dump it into the ones that are. So if you're doing five different campaigns that are digital and trackable, and you're doing that second thing I said, which is measure what you're doing. Yeah. At the end of three to six months, you're going to be able to go, hey, we did five campaigns. Two or three of them didn't work, but these two really did work. Let's take the money from the three that didn't work and dump them into the money to the two that did work because we know those campaigns are working. Then just hit rinse and repeat and keep doing it and then track whether or not, you know, those campaigns continue to do it. So that's the, that's the, the fundamentals of, of starting to do it. Now let me circle back around to the question or the thing that I raised where it was like, just because everything is trackable doesn't mean it's the only consideration. And what I mean by that is, the pendulum is swinging way over to the side of the equation where we're saying, let's only do a campaign that we can track and measure the success of a campaign. So that would mean a digital campaign that drives a visit to the website and all that sort of stuff. If that's the only thing you do, you're missing out on all the other campaigns that make people more likely to buy your product at the end. So what I mean by that is we're human beings Human beings buy products for emotional reasons, and then we rationalize the, log- the, the purchase with logic. So we buy things because it makes us feel good, and then at the end we go in and we say, um, why did I buy? I'm jumping back to shoes. I apologize. It's just, you know, just, okay, cool. Um, at the end, you may get home to, and have a conversation with your spouse, and he says, hey, this is, you know, $200 for a pair of shoes, what's that all about? You're going to be able to rationalize it logically. But the real reason you bought it is because of how it made you feel. And there are plenty of products on the male side of the equation typically revolving around a Porsche convertible exactly. for $140,000. <laughs> right. And those, they're doing the same arguments. Well, it's a German engineering, you know, and, and all that sort of stuff. When the reality is it made them feel young and sexy, and that's why they bought the Porsche. So the net net is Porsche, if the only thing they did was ad campaigns that were directly measurable. Hey, we drove somebody to the website and we watched them and they bought the Porsche at the end. They would go out of business over the course of time. What Porsche does is a lot of campaigns that aren't measurable, print ads, TV ads, radio ads, all that stuff that makes the person who gets to the website remember all those good warm feelings that they've had about Porsche all those years because now they're at the website ready to buy or they're in the dealership ready to buy. So the point I'm trying to make is don't just because everything is measurable doesn't mean that we should forget that branding is still important, that emotion still plays a role in the consumer behavior, and that you have to do those things in addition to the digital things in order to have a fully coherent and robust marketing campaign. Right. That's a really, really good point. 
so good that it's it stumped you. There was that. I did. I was, kind of, I was just like <laughs> thinking about it. I'm like, you know, most everybody's like, well, I'm not going to do that print ad because how am I going to know, <laughs> you know yeah. what the results are? Whereas you can easily track it. But it's so true. It's all part of um, just, you know, making people aware of it, connecting with it and um, just becoming, you know, part of that story. Well, let me, you know what, on what you guys do. So our relationship started when I had a conference called the Mobile X Festival and you guys did a video for us and it really worked out well. Why did it work out? And it goes back to what we were just talking about because it made people feel something about the conference. It's very hard to go onto a website and just read stuff and see pictures. When they are engaged with a video, they're diving in deeper, they're watching something, they're feeling something about the product or service, whatever it is, and also they're spending more time with the brand that way. So if you can stretch your attention, you know, a minute, a minute and a half, two minutes, that's a that's an eternity on a website because most people are on websites for 30 seconds and then they pop off. And and if you can get them to feel something while they're on the website, that's an added bonus. And that's exactly what you guys do and what you did so effectively for us. So thank you very much for doing thank that. Thank you. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that conference. Yeah, it was called the Mobile X Festival. Yeah. Uh, so I've written a couple of books. I get around the globe talking at uh, various conferences, and it's a great gig. I wish I wish it was the only gig I had because I do that all the time. But there's not enough money in it to to retire on. So, uh, but I do get around to see all the different events all around the globe, and they're all the same. Yeah. It's you open with a breakfast keynote, you do breakout sessions, you do the lunchtime keynote, breakout sessions, everybody leaves, and I kept thinking. First of all, this is an industry that has to be reinvented. It's just getting too old school. And the trade show boosts the whole nine yards. Uh, and, the word, then, and the word conference is becoming, And the word conference, oh, yeah. Like people just yeah. kind of go, go to a conference. <laughs> right. And if you think about it, what do you remember when you leave a conference? You remember the p- dialogues you had, yeah. not the monologues you listened to, but the dialogues you had. So long story short is I one of the books on mobile for me, and, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to do a mobile unconference, and it's going to be called the Mobile X Festival. And basically what it's going to do is we're going to have about 50% of it is going to be traditional. So we still had breakout sessions, all that stuff. And about 50% of it's going to be experiential where we do these smaller groups or activities where people learn about mobile by doing stuff because we fundamentally believe that people learn more by having a dialogue than they did having a monologue. So as an example, we had roundtable discussions where you could literally sit around in a small group of 20 people and hear Doug Busk, the head of digital for Coca-Cola, sit down and answer questions that you've got about uh, about mobile and about social and about digital. I mean, when was the last time you had the opportunity to say, hey, Doug, I got a question for you. How would you solve this problem yeah. to be able to do that? We also had talk tables, which were basically areas people could talk in. We had think tanks, which were, again, small groups where it was just – Eight people around a table where the the head of marketing, global marketing for Kimberly Clark was sitting there talking about how he does marketing around the globe for Kimberly Clark and eight people around the table just asking questions. So it was all this stuff that was very experiential in nature and fostered a dialogue rather than just a monologue. And we wrapped the day up with a Shark Tank competition 
actually technically a Shark Tank-like competition because I don't want their lawyers jumping on me for saying right, it's a exactly. Shark Tank competition. <laughs> uh, and that was a great way to sort of profile a bunch of new mobile products. And we had the competition, and, and it was a great way to – it's a fun way for the audience to vote and decide on who the winner was. So the net-net is it was an unconference, and it was a big success. We're definitely doing it again next year in uh, May of 2017. So we're looking ask, forward okay, to it. May of 2017. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have – we'll make sure to have links to everything Jamie Turner related on on the blog post for this episode. So we'll have all of that there. I appreciate it. But I have a final question for you. Yeah. What does the future of social media and digital marketing look like to you? I think we are at the beginning of seeing the pendulum swing back towards – not as much advertising as we used to. So ad blockers are coming online. People are saying, you know what, I'm going to put on ad blockers on my mobile device so that when I go to a website, I don't have to see the ads. Which, by the way, I'm against. And I, the reason why am I against it? Because because I spend a lot of time creating content for people. And I need to make money in order to give you free content. And when people, I, I was at a event the other day and a guy raised his hand. This is a true story. I was sitting behind him like three or four people behind him. Thank God, because I, I would have strangled him if I was next to him. <laughs> and, and and he raised his hand and he said to the moderator of the event, tell me the ethics behind companies that want to make me watch an ad in order to get their content. And I I raised my hand and I said, the ethics are that that company spent a lot of time and energy putting together that content, which, oh, by the way, you're getting for free just to have you watch an ad for 30 seconds or whatever it is. And it really kind of pissed me off because because the bottom line is the, this stuff has to get paid for. So that rant aside, I'm not in favor of the ad blockers, but that's a reality. People are doing more and more of them. And the result is that we're going to start seeing more and more native advertising, more advertising and marketing embedded into things where the blend between editorial and marketing is kind of going away or the distinction between it and getting more fuzzy. I see that as being kind of a two or three or four years from now, somebody listening to this will go, oh, you know what? That's exactly what happened is more and more stuff was going down the pike of of advertorial, uh, native advertising stuff that's not necessarily a blatant ad, but it's embedded and ingrained in things in order to make things happen. Interesting. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if that's what ends up happening. And the big thing is, is that it's it's constantly evolving, and you have to to stay current. I mean, it's kind of. Yeah. Um, I would be a little nervous if I were a company not using social media and not participating. Yeah, you know, it's a mixed blessing that I'm the kind of person who loves to learn things all the time. And so marketing is constantly, all business is constantly changing. So there's no difference between marketing and and other business, but it's changing at a more rapid pace. Um, My father was a madman and worked in the 1960s on Madison Avenue and all that sort of stuff. All the classic, all of it was true, by the way, on, 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 on the TV show. And, uh, and, but I mean, in the end, I asked him, he was not a big drinker, but I said, dad, did you guys really have three martini lunches? And he was like, yeah, those would occasionally happen. And I was like, you know, what would you guys get done in the afternoons? And he said, not a lot if we did one of those lunches. But in those days, all they had to choose from was radio, print, exactly. TV. I mean, how complex could it get? Exactly. Now 
37 different venues, to, you know, things to go down and we, and we can track it all. So it's much, much more complex than it used to be. And the result is, is that there's the good news is there's always something new to learn. The bad news is there's always something new to learn. Exactly. And, and yeah. you have to be responsible to keep yourself updated on all of that because if, if you're not current, you can, you can fall back. Yeah, totally. And that, Absolutely. That, that is that a scary happens. thing. But like you said, it's a good thing. It's a yeah. scary thing too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Jamie. This is awesome. So much good information. Um, Summer. I'm excited for our listeners. And um, yep, we'll have all of your links in our show notes and also on the blog post. And I hope I get to see you at your next unconference. That sounds good. You have an open invitation. You just reach out to me and I'll get you a ticket. Thank you very much for all of your help on that. And, and we really wouldn't have succeeded without you guys. So thank you oh, very wow. much. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's Get Genius. You can learn more about The Draw Shop at www.thedrawshop.com, on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Your home for kick-butt custom whiteboard marketing videos. Your ideas come to life. Thanks for listening. Please share, comment, and make any suggestions for future genius guests. 